Welcome everyone back. This is part two of Faith Builder OSL. Um, in this, uh, we're talking about Covenant Meal. I tried to put the whole session into one, but I could not. So this is part two of it. Um, it's good that you're listening. If you didn't listen to the first one, listen to the first one, please. First, before you follow, continue this one. Um, those that are back, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm glad that you're back. Now let's get back to it. We left off with this is God covenant in with you. That's where we stopped it. Okay. So we're going to continue on right through this. And like I said, um, you should already have, um, your notes and everything down, ready to take notes. Um, we didn't go too far. I took maybe a five minute break from the first part. Uh, to then start this one right away, okay? Uh, okay, so everything was coming to head right here when we talked about it. You can imagine all of eternity, all of a sudden coming to one pivotal place in one human body here with Jesus. And Jesus says, here it is. In all these years that you've done, you've done this, this is my body. All these years that you've had this cup, this is my blood, here it is. We're coming down to the wire here. Now, he goes into that night. He goes to get the 70. Remember, he says, let this cup pass, uh, the, the guard of Gethsemane. And he says, let this cup pass from me. He mentions the cup three times in that prayer. Let this cup pass from me, he says three times. He's come and he's arrested. They come and he's arrested. He's betrayed by Judas. He's basically tortured and unlawfully and unfairly treated all night long. What's going on here? They're checking the eyelids now. Remember about the, the lamb? How they inspected the lamb? Now they're checking the eyelids. I mean, they're down to let's see if we wrongfully treat him if he's going to sin. Let's see if he's going to curse. Let's see if he's going to start uh, uh, shouting. and Let's see if he's going to go off, so to, so to speak, you know? I mean, they're doing everything they can to find out if there is any flaw, is there a flaw in this lamb? But remember what Jesus had said. My time has come and the enemy, the wicked one, has nothing in me. What does that mean? It means there's nothing. There's no way they can get to me. He has nothing in me. They try him. The next morning, bring him before Pilate and Pilate makes this prophetic declaration. I find no fault in him. Later on, Judas, after he betrayed him, he went through and threw the money down and he made this statement, I have sinned by betraying innocent. But what's going on here? This is all prophetic things that are happening. And declaring this lamb has been completely without blemish. In other words, and deserving of death completely. Now, we're here at 9 o'clock in the morning now. Okay, Pilate finally says, okay, take him away to be crucified. They take him and scourge him. They whip him with the cat nine tails and they uh, go to crucify him. Now, there's a lot of discrepancy and some people that have disagreements on exactly when all these sequences of events happen because the whole time that he died in three days in the tomb and how it relates to Passover and so on. So, we can dogmatically say from the text that I can see here's when this happened or when that happened or but 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 I tell you what we do know about God 
that God from the very beginning said, here's what's going to happen on the 10th day. You take that lamb on the twilight on the 14th day, which is actually the 13th afternoon evening. We're going to kill the lamb. You hear what I said? Which is actually the 13th that afternoon slash evening. We're going to kill the lamb. I can't see God making a big deal about it when you take the lamb. And when you kill the lamb only for Jesus to miss it by a day, I, I just can't see that happening. God made him do it this time in this day. And so the way that it points out according to, uh, to typology, according to the pictures of the old covenant, all the way through. And many theologians also see it this way, that Jesus walked in the tenth day, on the tenth day of Nisi, uh, of the Nisi, right when all the other lambs, he walked right into Jerusalem, did he not, on the tenth day, when all the other lands were being chosen. And for three days he goes through this torture. And at nine in the morning, when the priests are sharpening their knives, getting ready for all of these things to happen, Jesus is actually being killed on the cross. He's actually crucified there. And he hangs there for three, three hours. The innocent lamb of God. And all of a sudden something interesting happens. The Bible says at noon, you remember what, it, what that was? Does anybody remember what that was? Write this down. After three hours of hanging, there was an innocent, the innocent lamb at noon. It became dark. Write that down. It became dark. Now, we're not talking about midnight. We're talking about 12 hours before that. At noon, the brightest time of the day, the hottest time of the day. No, not the hottest, the brightest. And all of a sudden, it becomes dark over the whole land, completely dark. Now, what's happening here? What is happening here? Jesus hung on the cross a total of six hours. He died right about three in the afternoon. He hung on the cross a total of six hours, halfway through all of a sudden, this darkness comes over the whole land. Well, what's going on here? How could there be darkness when this innocent, perfect lamb was hanging there? I'll tell you why. Because this lamb had come to take the sin of the world. i say it again. Because this lamb had come to take the sin of the world. The past, the present, and future. How do you transcend time? How do you get the sins from the past here? How do you take the sins from the present, but also go into the future, pull all of the sins into one time in one place? I tell you, the effect of it, the effect of it was so dramatic that it had an effect on the very physical nature of the situation. And it was so dark, the sins of all of the world being in one place at one time on one human being at that moment passed present, and future, that it caused physical manifestations in the heavenlies. And somebody says, is, is that in the Bible? No, but yes, it's all in the Bible. It would be like you didn't get your video back to, to Redbox and on time. And so the next time you, you go, maybe two months later, they say you still owe some dollars, some money from the last video. What do you do? You have to pull out more money right now to rent whatever you want to rent now than you would have, right? If there was no past that was an overdue bill on Jesus' account that was so overwhelming from all of those hundreds of years, hundreds of thousands of years of sin from Adam all the way through. Talking about it was an enormous pain. Talk about an enormous payment. I mean, think about that, my goodness. Not to mention that these people that were killing him, 
And the whole world at that point had a huge bill. But think about 2,000 years since then that we've come to now. And every sin that you've ever committed, all coming into one place at one time. How did God do that? How did he do that? I mean, I don't know exactly or, or don't exactly understand it. But I know he did. I know that he pulled it all together. And the Bible says there was darkness over the land. I mean a physical manifestation and doesn't give any reason why it's there. Except we do know that this sin came on him. At some point in time, this innocent lamb became sin. The Bible says for us in our place, now it's possible that three in the afternoon when Jesus lifts up his head and he shouts to God, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he gave up his spirit and died. It's possible that right then there in the afternoon was the day that the other people, Jesus having celebrated that night before, but all others would be killing their lambs there that day, the same time, at the same time, just outside the city, the lamb is being killed. It almost seems too perfect. Can you imagine this? This is the way it happens in, in a Jewish family. They prepare to eat the Passover. And the father brings the son, the oldest son. And, and, and so on. You're scheduled today, son. You're scheduled today. Think about that. In your life, you were scheduled to die that day. And instead, God provided himself a lamb and said, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to kill this lamb. See, that's the message of the gospel. Now, I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians. And I'm moving quickly. There's so much we could cover. I'm moving quickly because we actually want to receive communion. Remember I told you about that in the beginning. And not only receive it, but how many of you we need to, we want to receive some things from the Lord. Today, okay, and, and don't we? Of course, we always want something from the Lord. This is not just a religious exercise. This is something powerful from God that he gave many, many years ago. And Jesus brought it to life even more in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Okay, let's pick this up. It says, we'll go to verse 20 and verse 23 to 26. Verse 23 to 26 says, for I have received, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took up the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Okay, so through 23 and 26 gave what Jesus had done. Uh, but verse 27 says, uh, verse 27 tells us, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Uh, Notice, it, it didn't say un, unworthy, it said in an unworthy manner. A lot of people get that twisted. They figure, oh, we're unworthy, so they don't take communion. It doesn't say here, 
Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Nobody is worthy. Nobody is worthy in themselves to be able to come and say, oh, I can hang with the blood of Jesus. No, that's not true. You cannot be as perfect as Jesus. Nobody can. And that's the whole point. If you were as perfect as Jesus or couldn't be by your works as perfect as him, he wouldn't have had to come. He never would have come and done what he did. So the point is not to be worthy, but the point is to understand what you are doing. And to do it in a worthy manner. Do you remember that God said there, here's the way that I want you to eat this meal? You remember that? And God is saying, here, you need to do it right away. You need to do it in a worthy manner. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body. So notice he's saying, once again, he's saying, just like at Passover, when the judgment was coming to the land, and had you not appropriated the blood of the lamb on your doorpost, the judgment would come on you, just like any other Egyptian or sinner. God is saying to them, when you take this, and you're bringing into remembrance, okay, that whole Passover idea, remember that, okay? He's saying, if you don't examine yourself, and make sure that you're doing this in a worthy manner, you could actually cause that judgment of Passover to come on on, on yourself. Mm -hmm. Because you're just doing it as a religious exercise, and, and you're not appropriating the, that blood correctly toward your life. It makes you a concern. It makes you, yeah, for people that just have no idea what it all means, it becomes a, a concern. And here in Scripture, God's trying to tell us it's really not that difficult. Is, is that something that it takes a real brainiac to understand these concepts? It doesn't take people that have studied for 30, 40 years in the Greek and the Hebrew to be able to comprehend a very simple thing. But God says, I want you to discern. I want you to discern and see into the Lord's body in this now. He says this in verse 29. In verse 29, he says, For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, right? You eat or drink judgment to yourself, not discerning the Lord's body for the reason, for this reason many are weak and sick among you. Woo, listen to that, many sleep. Sleep means die. Paul says here, this is a reason for this reason. It, 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 many of you are sick. This is the reason. Isn't that interesting that a lot of Christians think, well, if I'm sick, it's because God wants me to be sick. And if I'm sick, it's because, well, I, you know, I mean, if God wanted to heal me, he would have healed me. I asked him to heal me. He didn't heal me. Paul said, no, for this reason, many of you are sick. Do you see that? Many of you are weak and many of you sleep. Now that doesn't mean many of you died as as if you take this correctly. You would never die. No, that's not the truth. No, the Bible says the outward man is perishing or decaying, dying. But the inward man can be renewed by day by day. The word says is appointed in a man once to die. But after that, a judgment. 
See? So it's not saying that you'd never die, but it's saying some of you died before the time for you to die. I see we don't want to admit that in the body of Christ. We we don't we don't ever want to say that somebody died too soon. It doesn't matter when somebody dies. Well, we'll stand up and we'll say something like this this all right, well, you know that it's God's world, and this is God's flower garden. He can pick any flower he wanted, um, and he just chose to pick this garden, and he picked up this flower he wanted. He picked up this real big, beautiful flower, this person, okay, and it's nobody's fault. It's just God, and he did it on its own. Well, I want you to know this, okay, that Paul takes a different to that he takes a big difference to that okay um he says let me show you that this is a reason didn't say the only reason but he says this is a reason that many of you are weak this is a reason a reason many of you are sick a reason and many of you died early because you didn't discern the lord's body as you were taking this meal you didn't appropriate it correctly it actually brought judgment to yourself and and you short-circuited yourself what does that mean god is saying there's power in this and if you don't appropriate that power to your advantage it will automatically be appropriated against you and it's just so simple it doesn't take that much. It doesn't take a perfect person. Jesus was the perfect lamb. It just takes a heart that says, I see it. I see it now. Now let's look at verse 32. But when he, when, when we, sorry, when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brother, and when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest, I will set an order when I come. Now, Paul had been talking there about the fact that some people would come and they eat all this stuff up because it was uh, um, not actually not just unleavened bread and wine, but they'd actually have a meal to go along with it. And they'd come together to eat this and to remember the Lord. And the people that had the better jobs that could get off work early, shut their businesses down and so on. So they would all come on, right? They would all come. And they would just pick out and eat everything. And the people that couldn't get there quite as fast would come and, and there'd be nothing left over for them to eat. And Paul got on them about that and said, you didn't deserve the Lord's body. Woo! Listen to that. You didn't deserve the Lord's body. Now, we know he's talking about the physical body. But he's also talking about the body, us. The body, us. Okay? He said, you missed it. See, he is now the head and we are the body. And so often we find that some people come together. They'll take the little bread and drink a little cup and have odd or, or, or unforgiveness in their, in their heart toward another brother or sister. And God is saying here, you missed it. You missed it. His body was broken so that his body, so that now his body could be brought together. And if we're holding unforgiveness toward one another, Jesus said, if you don't forgive, how will your heavenly father forgive you? And, and so when we come to eat this, we need to see into the what's going on here. And what's going on, we need to understand the implications. That all, all, yes, it's wonderful to receive from the Lord. But I tell you, what we also need to do, all of us, we also need to recognize that the person 
that we may be angry with or put out with or irritated with, that we've been uh, uh, treating unkindly or holding unforgiveness against, that is also the Lord's body and the blood has been shed for them and the body has been broken for them as well. And for us to withhold it from them automatically means that we're acting like an Egyptian instead of an Israelite. And God says, if you're in that house, you're in the wrong house. And you just need to know that judgment will come. You need to get over to this regular house. You need to get over here and, and say, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to act like an Egyptian. I'm not going to treat my brother like a slave of mine. Or, or they've got them and blessing to them because I'm just so happy to be free myself. And I thank God for it. Now, somebody says, well, I can't forgive. Well, you better. You better. You need to know who makes the rules. And you didn't write the, you didn't write the book. God wrote the book. And you might as well settle that in your heart. Okay? He's in charge, not you. Jesus is the head of the church. You're not the head of the church, and I'm not the head of the church. And your wife's not the head of the church, and your husband's not the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Now, I want you to go to one more passage in closing. Luke. Once again, chapter 24. Luke, chapter 24. Okay? Let's move on over to the left, Luke chapter 24. And we said we're going to read it out of, um, I didn't say it. <laughs> Luke chapter 24. Okay, we're here. Um, the last chapter in the book of Luke, this is after Jesus had died, right? And had been raised from the dead. Let's pick up the story in verse 28. Or well, you can see here in verse 13 as well. Um, before we move on. Now, behold... Two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emos, 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 which was seven miles from Jerusalem. Right? Now, okay, good. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk are sad? Then the one the, whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in a deed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and, and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since this, these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of an angel who said he was alive. Okay. And in this part, can you imagine that? I mean, think about that, right? Then you read about all this. Why, why are you wondering what happened? Uh, see, they're excited about it. They're excited about it, but they really didn't know for sure. Verse 27, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures and things concerning himself. Begin 
uh, Jesus, be, uh, teaching it now. Hey, hey, boy, this this took a while, beginning at Moses, and through all the prophets, he expounded them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Now, notice this verse 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening of the day, is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass as they sat. Now they still don't know who he is. He showed them the Christ, right? The Messiah. And all the old covenant, the testament. But they still didn't see. Now it came to pass, verse 30, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread blessed and he said the same blessing that he said before blessed be god lord of the universe the one who brings the bread forth from the earth said the same thing that he said before he blessed and broke it and gave it to them gave it to them then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight and they said to one another did not our hearts burn with within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us. So they rose up that very hour. And returned to Jerusalem. And found the eleven. Okay. And those who were with them gathered. Saying the Lord is risen. Indeed has. Um, appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road. And how he uh, was known to them. Okay. In the breaking of bread, let me tell you, in the breaking of bread, something, there's something powerful about this. There's something powerful about this covenant meal. And God told the children of Israel, he said, I brought nine plagues and it hasn't appeared to do much except to damage the land and make a lot of people mad. But he said, let me tell you something, this meal that you're going to eat, I need you to eat it a certain way because I'm going to make myself known in this meal. And when you finish eating this meal... I will be known for delivering my people. I will be known as they had this bread that was broken. And Jesus gave them this. The Bible says they were known. He was known to them. God wants, so God wants to make himself known to you as a healer, as a deliverer, as the forgiver, as a one who takes you out of that situation that you've been in. Seems like 430 years you've been in it and you've tried everything. You've confessed everything. You've spoken everything. You've done everything. But yet it's this meal. It comes down to this covenant. It comes down to this. God says, do this as a memorial. But God says, listen, I want you to remember that I can, that I want you to eat it in a certain way. Don't just sit there and eat it. Don't act like nothing's going to happen. No, I want you to get up. I want you to take a bath. I want you to gird yourself. Put your belt on. Put your shoes on. Put your staff on your hand. Pack your luggage. Because today, because today, you're walking out of that position that you're in today. And because today, as you eat this meal, and don't just eat it. Eat it in haste. <laughs> Hurry up because I'm coming quickly. Hurry up because I'm coming. There's something about uh, how Jesus, okay, making himself known to us. 
He's trying to make himself known. He's saying, do you see it? Do you see it? It wasn't just that one night. He said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Allow this to change your life every time you take it. Allow me to become known to you as your deliverer, as your forgiver, as your provider, as your healer, as one that you need to get out of bondage. Allow my power to take place right at that time. And right at that time, let me tell you something that right at that time, as we receive this today, don't receive it just like any other time. I want you to allow God to uh, uh, make himself known to you. Allow God to make himself real known to you. I want you to, uh, uh, in your spirit, make haste. Get ready. Don't eat this like you're you're going to walk out of here the same. Oh, no. Let me tell you, eat this like your enemy, your adversary, the destroyer, the one who has limited you and kept you in a cage, so, so to speak, all this time had kept you from reaching your potential and kept you with past history and, and kept you with thoughts. No, except, no, except him to say, get out. Expect him to say this, okay? To say, get out, get out fast. I can't handle you anymore. Well, we'll all be dead if I keep you in bondage. Get out. Doesn't the Bible say if you resist the devil, he will flee from you? He wants to get as far from you as possible. We say something, we're going to eat this tonight. Yes, and we're going to drink this tonight. We're going to remember that God's for something in blood. We don't give up on this. Nope. Somebody says, well, how long do we wait till we have done all this and stand? So you make a stand wherever you are. You get that? Wherever you are. It's happening right now. And we and after we read the end of the story, God wins. God won. God won for you. Now, Father, we thank you tonight for what you have said in Scripture, what you have done, and how it all points back to the Lord Jesus. And how he took that bread and blessed it that night. And declared and blessed it over it. And said, bless it. Are you, though, though, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth? I thank you, Father. He took the cup and said, This is my blood. In the new covenant, I am swearing in blood to keep my promise and to deliver you out of the bondage of the afflicted. Father, we choose to eat this in haste today, haste in our spirit expectancy. The baby birds come back. And we open our mouth wide and say, Oh God, fill it, covenant God, the one who made promises to us first to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then to Jesus, and then through Jesus directly to us. We have become Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promises. Father, I thank you that not only could you have the power to keep us apart, but we receive today in the name of Jesus, we receive Today, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He said, I want you to take one lamb for a household. One lamb for a family. Don't leave any over, anything over. I want that lamb to fill up the family. One lamb for the, one for each family, okay? You know, that's what we had today. There's one lamb. His name is Jesus. And he's inside of one family, has the body of Christ, the family of God. He's in us. Jesus said, if two of you would agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it shall be done for them of my Father in heaven. For there 
for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am where next right next to them. No in the midst No in the midst of them, he's in us. He's in the midst, right in the middle of us, right in here. Some of you feel like your prayers haven't reached the ceiling. They don't have to, because he's in you. They don't have to go any higher than you know than you know, because he's in there and greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Is that right? Yes, hallelujah. Your deliverance is now in you. He's riding there with you all the time. You carry him about all day long, forgetting that he's there, the delivering one, the healer, the uh, what you imagine the healer being in you. I mean, and being too far to heal you? No, the forgiver being right inside of you. And, and yet it's too distant to forgive? No. Now the provider living in you and yet can't seem to close enough to be close enough to provide? No. What is it? Is it not him? It's us. We forgot the lamb is in us. He is in us. As we received today, I want you to receive some specific things. And I mean, I want you to hurry. I want you to get ready, so to speak. I want you to begin to think of what you're going to do as God delivers you. What's going to be the different about your life? What's going to be different? What bags do you need to pack, so, so to speak? What about do you need to put on? What preparation do you need to make for deliverance of God? What do you need to do to get ready for this completely new life that you're, you've never had before? Because God is changing it this time right here, right now, today. This is going to happen today. He's changing it. Old Covenant God, we come to you this night, right now, this time, Father God. We bless you. We honor you. We come in haste. We're ready to be delivered. Oh God, from those things, we're ready to be delivered from those things that have hindered us and put us in bondage for ready to be delivered, God. We are ready to be delivered from sickness and diseases that the Lamb of God has already taken upon Himself. By His stripes, we are healed. We're ready to be delivered, God, from poverty and lack. Which the word says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. We thank you, Father, for giving us today all past sins and present. Those that we re re repent of this night, all, no matter how large or small, we receive deliverance. The bondage is the sexual addiction, uh, the bondage in, in the substance abuse of addiction, the emotional depression, discouragement of heart. We receive deliverance out of that. No, that's not for us. That's for the Egyptians, those who don't believe. No, we're under a different covenant. And we're, we're delivered from those things. Father, out of all the things that Jesus has paid for, we receive our deliverance today. We receive it. We're prepared in our hearts. We're girded up in our hearts. We've got our sandals on. We've, we've got our, 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 our walking shoes, our bondage right here out where our bags are packed. We're walking out of this bondage right here, Lord. We're walking out of bondage. Now, I want everybody to begin to talk like that to the Lord. Start talking like that to the Lord just before we take it. 
Say, I'm ready to go. God, I'm ready. I'm ready for the change. I'm ready for the complete life change right now. I'm ready for you to do the delivery. No, God, though, it's taken nine plagues and it seems like it's not working still. And the enemy is laughing in our faces. Yet, oh God, you're our covenant God. And you've passed over us to deliver and delivered us. And this today... You will deliver us as we receive. And we believe in Jesus' name. I want us to take bread and the juice. And as soon as you do, I want to just set the cup down on the floor. Stand up. If you're if you're driving, just put your hands up. And I want you to begin to thank God immediately that you're delivered from whatever it is that you need to be delivered from. Begin to receive that right away. I mean, hurry. Hurry. You got to hurry and receive it. You can't wait three days before it hits you. Oh no, hurry. Now's the time. Right now. The moment you take it. Now receive. Now's the time. Now's the time. We receive now, Lord, everything. Plus received again. Thank you, Lord. Now stand on your feet and begin to declare your freedom to the Lord God. Receive it from God now. Make haste. The Lord says, come on. Come on. We receive it, oh God. We receive our freedom right now, Lord. We thank you for the healings that take place right now. Right now in this place, Lord, the power of God is going into operation right now. I thank you for it. It's an unstoppable force. There is nobody that can stand against this power. This judgment of God that says it is time. Time that my people are set free from their bondages. We thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for the provision. I thank you that all of the debt is now under declaration of liberty and freedom. And now it's as easy as walking it out. Walk out of it. Father, thank you that you bring some supernatural increase to our lives. Father, I thank you for the freedom from all bondage just now. Go ahead and declare your freedom. Come on, declare your freedom. Covenant God, you are delivered. You free us, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.